Lying to a nun. <laughs> That's what I live for. I'm Zach. I'm Riff. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 157 of Video Games Hot Dog, the podcast that we do that is about video games. And How's it going, dogs. fellas? It's going pretty good. We had hot dog day today at the office. Oh, yeah. yeah. I ate a hot dog. With some kraut out of a kraut bag. I had a... Kraut bag? <laughs> yeah, it was a bag of sauerkraut that we named Moisha Kraut Bag. <laughs> Moisha? He's a private detective. <laughs> he solved the mystery of, why isn't this hot dog delicious enough? Oh. I ate some put, hot dogs for dinner. Do you put well, krauts on dogs? I feel like you put krauts on sausages. Yeah, you put... Yeah, fuck yes, you put sauerkraut on a hot dog. Mm. The the only acceptable toppings for a hot dog are mustard and sauerkraut. Uh, I like yeah. some I like some ketchup. Yeah, yeah, I know you do. That's because you are a fucking heathen. And I'm <laughs> I am willing to bet that there are a lot of people in the country that would put some relish on a dog. Mm. Eh, not into relish. Eh, probably a lot of people would put some chocolate sauce on it too, but that doesn't Ooh. make it an appropriate topping. Wow, for the hot dog. I don't mind relish. Are you, I, a, are you a taste maker? Do you get to decide I, what people get to taste? I'm just a taster. I would I would prefer I would put relish on a hot dog if there was no sauerkraut to be had. Mm. Um, you know I will I, do that. I, I will, would if I had no sauerkraut, I would put onions. I don't know mm, if I would that I relish. that I cannot abide. What about oh. just raw cabbage? Oh yeah, that'd be good. Huh, I could see that. I guess sure. I would so much just, rather put raw cabbage on something than raw onions. So just kraut. Yeah, it's not sour. It's just crap. <laughs> it's um dill dill relish game changer versus sweet relish. Yeah, dill relish is where it is at. So dill relish perfectly acceptable topping. Sweet relish acceptable if no sauerkraut is available. Ketchup, that's that's for fucking baby hot dogs. Ah, ketchup, ketchup. What is wrong with you? It brightens the flavors. Not- you don't it like ketchup on fucking fl- French fries. No, I don't like ketchup. That, yeah, I, that, what is your problem? Well, see, then well, you don't I, know. Uh, no, the the thing is, I do know. I have I have ascended if, to a level beyond. If you don't beyond, like ketchup on anything, you plebes you with your judge ketchup. Whether or not you can't judge whether or not it's good on a hot dog. You know, I like motor oil on my hot dogs because I don't like hot dogs. <laughs> you're, you're missing the like, yeah, like hand cool, waving, your cool dance that you're, you're like a wacky inflatable <laughs> arm waving guy. Oh, like um, that. I would be a really good. I would be a really good inflatable, inflatable. Yeah, arm you, guy. you know, if this video games thing doesn't work out, you could always get a job twirling a sign. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. If you had to twirl a sign for a living, what would you want to twirl a sign for, and what would be your signature flourish? Oh wow, <sighs> I think uh, compre oro, and. I would just spin. I wouldn't. I would just spin it like normal, but then I would smile, and one of my teeth would sparkle. Oh, <laughs> be like a glint. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I I would want to spin a sign for a place that that you would not expect a sign spinner, like a like a really <laughs> a high, hospice. Yeah, like a real like a a, a dentist or a, a really Brothel? high class law firm. A crematorium. A, yeah. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be that'd be real good. Tiffany's. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what I don't know what my signature move would be though. So you just said if you could work anywhere, you would work at a We Buy Gold. Oh yeah. Establishment. Wow, that's that's some commitment to your your glint joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so would you describe what you were doing as uh, glint hawking? 
Wow. Uh, I, wow. I had that I had that phrase run through my head. I was like, wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So that was a joke that you, Cast Kevin, up. decided <laughs> yep. was too dumb to say out loud. Yep. But I sw- I swept in. Yeah, that's good. That's pretty good. I'm I'm excited that, that I passed that I passed on that one and then you came in. You that's, finally you win this round, Simmons. <laughs> that's exciting. That does not uh, usually happen. Usually you're the one that was like, Yeah, I thought of that. That was dumb. Yep. Do you guys uh you guys been up to anything exciting? Uh, not exciting as such. I spent a few minutes today being amazed at the quality of the movies that came out in 1984 and 1985. Okay. Yeah. Did you have a list? I, I, I actually, uh, since I tweeted it, I do have those links available. Let me see here. But yeah, I don't remember how it came up, but I was, I, I think some movie, particular movie got mentioned in chat and I was like, Oh, that came out in 1984. Didn't like a ton of other things come out in 1984? And I looked and okay, here's the IMDb most popular films released in 1984. The t- the first 10 of them. It's Ghostbusters, 16 Candles, Footloose, The Terminator, Police Academy, Nightmare on Elm Street, The Neverending Story, uh, Once Upon a Time in America, Karate Kid, Temple of Doom. And then if I keep going, good. it's got Amadeus, Gremlins, Beverly Hills Cop, Spinal Tap, yeah. uh, Conan the Destroyer, Top Secret, but ton, ton of stuff. Why did you just roll your eyes at Conan the Destroyer? Conan the Destroyer yeah. is fucking great. I can never yeah. remember if that's the first one or the second one. It's the second one. It's the one that kind of goes off the rails, but it's got, but it's got, uh, it's got Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain oh, yeah, is, yeah, uh, having it, sex with twenty thousand ladies. His name is, is his name Bumbasa? I think, I think it his, might be. I think his name is Bumbasa. I might be confusing him with Bombate, who is one of the characters in uh, Wolfenstein: The New Order, <laughs> also played by uh, Wilt Chamberlain's corpse. And um, then, do you think that Wilt Chamberlain's corpse has had sex with thirty thousand ghosts? Oh, hmm. probably. I mean, and that number is only going to get bigger. It's true. Uh, and then the list for 1985 is Breakfast Club, Goonies, Back to the Future, Weird Science, Legend, St. Elmo's Fire, Clue, Brazil, Rocky Four, and Police Academy 2. And then if you go further down the list, you get, uh, let's see, Teen Wolf, Beyond Thunderdome, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And Here's a question. Another though, bunch of stuff. Did you, so, like, all of these movies are cool and good, but did you, like... Look at 86, 87, 88 and be like, wow, all of these are shit. Or were you just like, I looked at 86, 86 also had a lot of good stuff. And then I skipped, (laughs) no, wait. And then I skipped forward to 94 Uh and that had half as many good. Is that like Gladiator? I forget when that came out. Something like that. Yeah. And then I skipped. And then 94 was probably like Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Forrest Gump and Pulp Fiction were there. So it was like 12 monkeys. There were like, Like, yeah, there there were a few good things, but like half as many. And but then, I feel like, and then I, I skip like, forward another ten years. I mean, you can't go full ten years because that's this year. But I went to 2012 and 2013, and there were like two good movies in each list. Well, is that true, or is it you just haven't had time to appreciate all the good movies that that, that came out? Well, that's that's a that's a theory. <clears throat> I, I don't I, know if it's one that. I mean, I know that every generation every generation believes that they're going to see the end of days. You know, every every guy that turns 40 thinks that he's the first person to understand how fucked up kids today are and they don't they don't you know respect their elders and all of that but i actually kind of wonder whether there wasn't some confluence of factors in the mid 80s 
that made it so there were like I can imagine I can imagine a way of describing this where filmmaking technology got to a certain point where fantastical things became achievable. Right. In a way that they weren't really before, like special, like computer special effects became a thing in the eighties. Green screens sort of became a thing in the eighties. Like in the eighties is when you were suddenly able to put a lot of things on film in a way that looked convincing. I feel like a lot of those were still super practical effects and there was not a lot of greens, but even those were better. Right. I mean, like hydraulics were better and more compact in the 80s than the, like, sure. I, I don't know. It, 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 it strikes me that it is possible that this argument could be made that in the 80s, technology had finally gotten to the point where you could basically put anything on the screen. Right. And the first five years of that is going to have the most mm. original properties that take mm. advantage of it. Right. And I don't know. I mean, people are are willing to try out any crazy new idea they've got that can take advantage of the new stuff. Like the difference between the Xbox one and the Xbox 360 is less significant as a as a like percentage of what it's capable of than the difference between the NES and the Super Nintendo. Right. Well, and the Atari and the NES. Yeah, the Atari, the Atari and the NES. The, I mean, the Atari and the NES, like looking at it now, seems. Well, but I'm just trying, to, I'm trying to think of like a 70s to 80s kind of comparison. Yeah, in the same sure. way. Well, but the 360 is not. I mean, I guess the 360 is like 10 years old at this point. But but still, it once things are in 3D, most of the improvements now are just like polygon counts and things become more photorealistic or whatever. It's not like there was a point at which okay. This can just show whatever we can imagine. Yeah. The, right. The, no, and no game is being changed. It's just the resolution is getting better. I mean, arguably there are the Oculus Rift and well, but those are, I mean, that's, that's, that that's all like yet. unproven stuff, right? Like, I don't know. I, I'm honestly curious as to whether or not there was a sweet spot in the eighties. Or if it is just that I only hang out with, like, aging nerds on the internet, and so all of those aging nerds are excited about the same shit that I'm excited mm-hmm. about. You know, so, like, the guys in the office who are all, like, six or seven years younger than us, pretty enthusiastic about Jurassic Park, mm-hmm. right? Which is, like, when we were in high school, you know, so we were a little bit over it by that point. Do they think of the early 90s as like a golden age of just cool adventure cinema that captures the imagination of children that's a good question you what you should do is give them the imdb links to 84 and 85 and then 94 and 95 and see which one they think is better it's weird though i mean ghostbusters is is really good obviously and we like it a lot but looking back on it it is weird how little of it I must have understood when I was a kid. Yeah, that's because what I was thinking. It's I was really like, like it's slow and it's just a lot of like guys talking. Yeah, I would you not. Know? I would not think it's jokey though. The, and it's the like, movies that came out in when I was seven and eight years old would be the ones that that fixated so heavily in my memory that way. You know, I would but, expect it to be more like fourteen. But I never, I didn't see any of those movies in the theater. 
Mm. Right. Like I saw all of those movies on video five Mm. years later. Yeah. Right. So like they were still important to me, but they were all things that like my grandma recorded off of her cable. See, that's how that's everything. Anything that my dad wasn't interested in. That's how I got it. Right. Like my grandma recorded the breakfast club off of satellite. Mm Like just she's recorded anything that she thought Who did that she I think you were in the Breakfast Club. I don't know. That's a good. I question. mean, probably the probably Anthony Michael Hall. Like that was really yeah. my only option at that point. But <laughs> I don't know if she even thought about it like that, right? Because oh. it. What's weird? I don't understand how it is that my grandma so had, well had understood. Your, like because she got she the the three movies that I remember her recording for me were The Breakfast Club, Weird Science, and Nightmare on Elm Street. Jeez. The first one. So they were all things that. So that's weird, right? If she had really known what Nightmare on Elm Street was, she probably wouldn't have recorded. Like, yeah, no, was she kidding. just looking at the summary and thinking, "Oh, Zach might like this." Maybe she also might just have like read a newspaper thing and talking about yeah. teen, teens liking those things. Or whatever. I mean, she was pretty on the ball, but like, so so she did not have the same like when she would buy me a Nintendo game, it would often be a Nintendo game that was no good, right? So okay. it wasn't just like a broader cultural awareness. Like my grandma, my grandma wasn't cool. Right. I mean, she was just, it might have she just was been just been thoughtful. Was and yeah, I mean, that, that's the other thing. It might have just been a thing that was on. I saw Nightmare on Elm Street for the first time at my grandmother's house, like with my cousins. And it, like, it was terrifying. Oh, it, f- fucking, yeah. That fucking, fucking that was the first scary movie I've ever seen. I, I think, oh, I think I have seen Freddy versus Jason. I think that's the only one of them I've watched. They got, they got progressively weirder and stupider over time yeah. like it became it became a lot more of a joke but the original nightmare on elm street was more like nightmare on elm street to nightmare on elm street 3 is kind of like an alien to aliens hmm. leap in tone i think the second one the second remember. one is really forgettable like i, don't I only ever saw it once it's just mainly centers on this one kind of like broy bodybuilder guy who and the plot is that freddy is like trying to make his way into the real world by becoming this kid. And so it ends with Freddy sort of tearing his way out of the kid's body. <laughs> um, they, they established yeah. the formula in the third one where it's like, here's a bunch, here's the breakfast club. And here's how we, each of them realizes their worst fears in terms of like a sort of a foul mouthed sarcastic murderer who is going to kill them in some way that gives them their ironic comeuppance. Um, I think I I never watched any scary movies or horror films as a kid because I had a real bad experience watching some of Poltergeist on TV. Oh yeah, that's and that pretty, that, that gave me some real too. bad nightmares for a long time. So I kind of avoided all of that sort of stuff for a while. The the brilliance of Nightmare on Elm Street, which is a movie about nightmares, yeah, like nightmares that can kill, yeah, you, like, was like and so it's like if you are a, so. Oh, if you're God. a person who's already kind of afraid to go to sleep, yeah. which I <laughs> am and was, like, that is the worst. I do remember, though, like, so, I mean, where this came from is, like, I did see Ghostbusters in the theater because Ghostbusters was a movie that my dad was interested in seeing. Like, and I still, you know, I remember, like, we would just drive. I think a lot of it was, like, my dad often wanted something to do that involved, like, leaving the house. And so we would just, like, drive to a town an hour away and see a movie and then drive back because that's where you had to go to see a movie. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how he even understood when movies were playing without the internet. Did he have a newspaper from a town that was an hour away? The fuck? I (laughs) Um, 
I remember driving back from seeing Predator in the theater and having a sort of like epiphany where he was like, my dad just like pointed out into the woods and he was like, you think it's out there? And I said, (gasps) well, I wasn't worried about it last night. (laughs) And he was like, yeah, good point. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to go to sleep without being scared more or less for the rest of my life now. Like I've figured out that. Yeah, That's but now not... you have to worry about, like, the economy collapsing. And... <laughs> well, sure. Oh, man. You know what I did? The, like, there was one night when I was in Phoenix the last time where uh, where Emily went out to karaoke, and I was like, all right, I'm going to... Uh... I'm going to I'm going to smoke some weed and watch me some Hellraiser. That's what I'm going to do because I haven't seen that movie in a long time. So I'm just like, all right, well, I'm all alone in this big house and I just watched a fucking scary movie. I'd love to go get a beer. And then I remembered how many dark doorways I had to walk past to go get a beer. <laughs> how many Rubik's I was cubes walking past each other like, uh, I'd fuck. And then I just like had that thing where it's like, oh, I'm going to, I need to run. I need to run from the downstairs of my house back to the room that I was in before I got scared because that's obviously the safe room. <laughs> like, man, I remember that from when I was a fucking baby and scared that, I don't even know what, scared that, like, ah, uh, fuck, I can't think of that guy's name. Who's the guy who played uh, Al on Quantum Leap? Dean Stockwell. I'm worried that, like, Dean Stockwell is in my closet having been possessed by some Cthulhu cultist because I watched that Dagon movie from the 70s. Yeah, that's not not a real thing. If I walked downstairs to get a beer and Dean Stockwell was in my closet and I, I would be like... Alive or dead? Hey, what's up, Dean Stockwell? You are, as I always say, a fucking national treasure. You know what I really liked, uh, Mr. Stockwell, was uh, your portrayal of Dr. Wellington Yui in David Lynch's Dune. <laughs> like, I, I really think you captured the, the nuance of that character who, owing to the tragedy of having lost his wife, was able to be manipulated by the Baron Harkonnen, but still maintained your integrity at the end. Thus, you know, you know being, being a relatable character even though you were flawed in a, in an interesting way that moved the story along, like you, you really nailed that Dean. May I call you Dean? <laughs> and then he consults a weird sort of iPad and says, no, <laughs> in fact, where's the exit to this house? I don't know how I got here, but I'm pretty sure I don't like you. He's just a hologram. He can, he can walk through walls, mm. man. That would be so great. If I had, if I had Ziggy Dean Stockwell, yeah, I would want like, no, I'm saying if I had like an AI assistant, I would He's want it to be an AI. He's just an I. I would want it to be Dean Stockwell. Is he like a guy in the future? Like, yeah, it, yeah. it's a person. Oh, what happens when Sam needs him and he's like on the toilet? Sometimes he's not there. Sometimes he's yeah, asleep sometimes and stuff. He's not there. I think most of the time. He's available like during the day because that's his job is to be available yeah. to, to guide Sam. Huh. I think I've never actually seen an entire first, episode of the Quantum The first Leap. episode. Yeah. Well, the first episode is the only one where they explain any of right. this shit, right? Yeah. And then after that, it's like, hmm. I liked Quantum Leap a lot. Yeah. Is it yeah. good? I don't, I don't. Yeah. You know, it's. I mean, it is from that golden age when all entertainment properties were amazing. Right. <laughs> What else was on TV? There was the there was the Wizards and Warriors, <laughs> the short-lived God. Wizards and Warriors TV show where they played uh, Arm Death. 
arm to wow, Yeah, it's like arm wrestling that. except more dangerous. Uh, Airwolf. It's pretty good. MacGyver. Was that when the uh, D&D cartoon was on? I was really Yeah, yeah. That yeah, dungeon dungeon master does not it? hold up at all. Really? Yeah, you watch those, they're awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> but isn't that the one that like no, never mind. I'm thinking of Dragon's Lair, the cartoon. Huh. Was it, like wasn't there the one where you like you you like how does how are they gonna escape this thing and they show you yeah, ways they die? Had, before the commercial break, they would give you an option of what Dirk should do next. And then when right. they came back, they showed you the outcomes of those choices. Right. Oh, did he die in two of them? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Wow, then, that is said, great. But, then, but what he really did was... Blah, that blah. is a great way to teach kids how <laughs> every fucking how day, every day you make decisions that if you fuck up, you are going to die in a way that's <laughs> probably pretty funny and everyone will see your bones and it will be awesome. <laughs> uh, that is probably the most important life lesson. I do wonder a little bit about the impact of video games and other media where people get multiple chances and whether or not that in like that influences the decisions that people make in their lives. Right. Like, am I more prone to just like do stuff without thinking about it? Because I, you know, somewhere in my subconscious, I think I can just because save you and quick save. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember having a dream where it occurred to me that I could just reload from a save before my dad died. And then it was so crushing uh, to me uh, to wake up from that, that I, it was just a fucking random dream that I yeah. had at some point in the last 11 years. And I still remember what a just like gut shot it was that like that structure that is now just a part of my brain that like that like fundamental on some level that is like so so deep that it only pops up when all the filters are off like oh yeah whatever that's just how it works like <laughs> hey but maybe that is how it works you know we just haven't figured out the switch yet yeah yeah, maybe that's what we're doing all the time. Maybe nobody ever really dies, right? It's just oh, like yeah, what you, you see when somebody else dies, you're just seeing somebody in some, you know, the, the kid at home chose a different thing that right. that particular Dirk the Daring was going to do. So there's just an, ex you know, what, what the universe doesn't want is for us to go through our days without seeing somebody's cool bones. So <laughs> the universe makes it so we end up on branches where other people die, but we ourselves never die. Hmm. Can we get a dot bones TLD? Oh man, cool dot bones. <laughs> Farm dot bones. Good, you could get good bones. bones. You could get bones dot plumbing. Damn it, Jim! I'm a doctor, not a plumber. I don't know why you hired me to fix your bathtub. <laughs> Have you guys been playing any video games? Uh, I um. I finished everything I need to do in Dark Souls 2 until the DLC comes out. Is that what that achievement was? That that sweet, Dark sweet, Soul. sweet Chivo that you Tweevoed? Yep. The, uh, that the was Dark the, Soul? Uh, the platinum trophy. That was the 100% completion. Jesus Holy shit, Christ, Riff. Riff. It, it, it is potentially possible to get that in one playthrough, <clears throat> but the the reasonable way to do it is to play... Two full playthroughs and then a partial third one. I don't know that there is a reasonable way. <laughs> yeah, what what does it mean to one hundred percent if you if you could do it all in one playthrough? I guess. Well, the it's it's not 
so much 100% of the game because you don't have to like collect every possible item or anything like that. It's, it's 100% of the trophies and there are, there's nothing structurally stopping you from getting all of them, right? There isn't a trophy for do X on a new game plus, right? There's just, no, but what there, what there is, what the sticking point is, is that there's, there's four different kinds of magic and there's four trophies for collecting every spell in each of those schools. Mm-hmm. And three of those spells are rewards for maxing out two of the PvP covenants, which is extremely difficult. Uh, and I'm not at all into PvP. But the outlet, like the the release valve they give you for players like me, is that in a new game plus plus there's a merchant that will sell you those spells. Huh. So so your choice is either to That's be very kind a huge them, PvP actually. badass. Yeah, it is. It's actually for all for all the reputation it has as like the game that's going to fuck you up. Pretty much every choice is is pretty kind. Well, right, but it doesn't made. it doesn't have a reputation as a game that's going to waste your time, right? Like right. and that is that is a really fair thing for them mm-hmm. to do like that. Yeah, that's it's just, it's respectful, right? Yes. Like it's not friendly exactly yeah. because it's still I like that's, I think that's the distinction that I was Yeah. yeah. To make. yeah. Yeah. It isn't generous but it is fair. And so that's the one thing that you had to Yeah, I had to uh, I had to I had to do the second playthrough so that basically just so that I could start the third playthrough. Although there wasn't, there were a couple other little trophies that I had did not manage to get in my first playthrough that I got in the second one, and then and then did enough of the third playthrough that I could get to that merchant. Anything else? Um, I started playing. I believe I mentioned several casts ago that I discovered that there was a. Uh, a uh, uh, a sequel to that um, visual novel DS game Hotel Dusk, which is called The Last Window, and I bought a copy of it off eBay. Uh, I just last night actually got around to starting playing it, uh, and it seems pretty good. It seems pretty much the same thing, but I haven't got far enough in it yet to really talk about it. I only played like a half an hour of Hotel Dusk before I was literally bored to death <laughs> you did not play and now, it until now dawn. you're a sweet skeleton <laughs> yeah is hmm so can you describe to me mm-hmm. the appeal of a light puzzle speckled visual novel i mean i know that people like this Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean we just we played one as an assignment basically right like which one was that the oh shit yeah digital uh, hate story analog a hate story yeah i mean i i like these i mean analog a love story what damn it the these hotel dusk and sequel i like them because i like the art style i like the sort of noirish sort of detective story um, so it's, I don't know, it's, it's like, uh, it's like reading a good mystery novel, except it's a little more interactive. I don't know. Because you have to press a, press a button to get to every chick. You have to button. You have to get a pressure button to see the next thing Chris Avalon wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I man. So here's the thing. We we're the podcast that just constantly makes fun of Chris Avalone for being drunk that one time. Yeah. And then like it's at least at least once. I think he's been drunk what? at least one time. Watch out watch out for fireballs is the podcast that's really nice to Chris Avalone that he then gives them interviews and appears all the time and talks about video games yeah. with them mm-hmm. and they're buddies with him now. So maybe we should learn something from that. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, you know, I held him in such high esteem, and that was just such a weird, disappointing thing. Uh, I thought it was funny and charming, actually. I also thought it was pretty funny. I I was a little... I mean, it was funny, but it was annoying. I felt like it was He just, like, wasted so... He wasted so much of those people's time. And also, like, it's one thing to get so drunk you can't speak on a panel, but to also get the other panelists so drunk (laughs) that they can't speak, that's just being a And, like, a good portion of the audience, too. (laughs) Oh, man, I felt bad for the one guy who I had no interest in what he was talking about that had to carry that whole thing. Oh, right. <laughs> anyway. This was a, a dragon Yes, was con? it a dragon, dragon con, con a few yeah. years ago? Yeah, yeah. man. Ugh. <laughs> hey, he seems like a great guy. <laughs> I used to really want to go have a drink with Chris Avalone, but now I'm pretty sure that if I did that, I would die. <laughs> You you don't have to match him shot for shot. <laughs> yeah, I do. Riff, you know me. There, see, Richard Garriott. Richard, I can outdrink Richard Garriott because all he drank was Cosmopolitans. He drank a lot of Cosmopolitans, but still, I could drink that many plus some. <laughs> but you, but we have no idea what uh, Chris Avalon was drinking. Yeah, I think I that's... heard Absinthe mentioned at one point. Hmm. Well, so Kevin couldn't handle it. I could. It's not that I couldn't handle it, it's that I wouldn't want to handle it. Oh, you don't like the the licorice flavor? I do not. Anise? What other gaming luminaries do you think you could and could not (laughs) out-drink? I could out-drink Raph Coster. Okay. You think? Yeah. I think he's probably a lightweight. Did we ever... We never really drank with him. We just went to... I drank. We just went to lunch. (laughs) What about Richard Garfield? Ooh. Hmm. Those mathematicians, they yeah. uh, they know how to put it away. Yeah, like like uh, John Nash. He would be coming up with weird ways for us to optimize hitting on the girls that walked in. <laughs> I feel like Richard Garfield probably drinks some kind of magical potion. He has a really <laughs> wizardly look about him. Yeah. Hmm. I, uh, I learned on Thursday that uh, Sean Vanneman and I can drink about the same amount before we have <laughs> to not go to work on Friday. Uh, we went and, We went and did that thing <laughs> yeah what, what was it? tell us about oh right yeah we did we, we went to the speakeasy it was fucking great it was so good uh, i guess you probably like, shouldn't talk about it in detail because it's no like, it's just like it's like it's, a it's well it's, well, it's gonna be over soon it's just like a sort of but they might bring it back in yeah. november anyone who you know i talked about it a little bit on the monday kol show if anybody's interested but uh yeah it was just like a you know go to a fake speakeasy and have boy a lot of drinks <laughs> um hopefully not embarrass myself and then go home and then stay home for 36 hours uh that was fun though i recommend it have you been playing any games zach yeah i played i've been continuing to play a bunch of wild star and then i i finished the wolfenstein game okay um it continued to be really good like skip forward like a minute if you don't want spoilers on this all right, do you think you're going to play it? Eventually. So, yeah. I mean, like, everybody on every podcast has talked about how you eventually go to the fucking moon 
as as part of this ridiculous game. Okay. But what they don't talk about is also how at a certain point you drop acid with Jimi Hendrix. And this is just a thing that happens and totally makes sense and is just totally earned by huh. the story that's being told. Are you serious? Yes, I'm Wait. not even fucking kidding. Say, like what which game is this again? Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein the New World Order. Order. He's just he is in the like group of like he has escaped the US and is in the like little holdout of rebels and he's just like playing the guitar all the time because he won't fight but but it's, he's just making LSD just fucking I, lab I have to play this <laughs> it's, now. oh my god it's good it is a good game like you it's it's I'm just have to play it on console though Ugh. no you don't riff Ugh. Boot into the boot into Windows and your computer. Play, yeah, like it'll Jesus. Riff, you're not gonna get through it if you play it on a console. Like you're, you're not. Well, maybe you are. I don't know. You can Dark you play Souls a first person shooter console, on a console? Yeah, right? but for Gar Garfield, I, Garfield I, I, I Souls is I, not a first person shooter. <laughs> I don't I, play enough first person shooters on console that I would. Be yeah, with it. So you can't. I, guess I like, will probably have to do it on Windows. It's it's so goofy. I, there's I there's the another on oh, God. Yeah, you did play the fallouts on that. that this is way bats, more yeah, so this is way more actiony and doesn't have yeah. doesn't have anything like that. I mean, you just play it on easy. It got towards the like 14th, 15th and 16th of the 16 missions, it started getting really fucking frustratingly hard. Uh, for me, even though I was playing on easy because I refused to switch to the difficulty that depicts the character as wearing a baby bonnet and sucking on a pacifier. <laughs> uh, I think that was a version of easy Wolfenstein. Yeah, it? no, it was. It was. Except this time it's like a sort of a photorealistic rendering of your like, uh, you know, your broy badass guy. But it's like it just continues to have these little funny moments. Like at the end he is just like beat to shit and like filled with shrapnel and like on his absolute like last ditch attempt to like defeat the Nazis and you get into an elevator and the button doesn't do anything and so there's just this whole animation where he like pries the cover off and like shoves his knife in and then tears out all the wires and says oh no there's your problem <laughs> and then rides the elevator to the top for the final conversation. But he just like decides to make a joke about being an elevator repairman. Like, oh god, it's good. I it's heard, just I so heard that good. A similar moment where he like hides under a sleeping Nazi's bed and stabs. Yeah, yeah. Him through the Did bed. you hear that from me on this podcast when sure I told? No, I think you you also heard it from Justin McElroy on the Besties when he told the same story okay. about it. But yeah, yeah, it's just the wake up, you're dead. Yeah, <laughs> like so good. Like, it's just such a likable character. Like, it makes sense why Jimi Hendrix would want to hang out with this guy. <laughs> like, there's a couple sex scenes that are not I, super necessary, but I, you know, I guess this guy wants to fuck a lady. <laughs> um, seems like an all-American kid. Ah, oh, man. It just, it was worth sticking through this sort of, like, frustrating difficulty spike at the end. I mean, it just, at the end, it was like, it needs to get more challenging over time, right? But, like, it eventually gets to the point where if you're playing it on easy because you're not very good at first-person shooters, like I'm not, then it's just going to be frustrating. Like, mm. it it was interesting to see the adaptive difficulty stuff at work. How did that work? Well, like... At a certain point, you reload a checkpoint, and it's like, 
You know, I definitely don't remember there being a suit of armor right next <laughs> to me when I started this. It wasn't ever quite the like Super Mario 3D land where it's like, oh, here, have a have a ultimate power up so that you can fucking finally finish this level because we're going nuts. Like <laughs> I'm a computer and I have infinite patience and I am still about to blow my fucking brains out. You're taking so long to finish this level here. Would you just like maybe a shortcut to the end? Um <laughs> This is a little lighter hand than that, where it'll just like, like, uh, there definitely was not a health pack on this desk before, right. but it doesn't look like a thing that wouldn't be there. You know, it's just, I know it wasn't because I've run into this room nine times. Like the, the game has this sort of loop where, and everybody who's said anything about this on any podcast has like sort of described the basics of this, where there are these commanders, like it'll, it'll basically be like, here's a, here's an area. There are like eight Nazis in it. One or two of them are commander Nazis. And if you can kill the commanders without being detected, then all you have to do is kill the other six Nazis and it's fine. But if, if you alert them to your presence, the commanders are each going to summon like 10 more Nazis hmm. and they're just going to come in from monster closets. And that's, I feel like monster closets don't really annoy people who have a reasonable spatial skill set. Like, but to me, any little diverticulum becomes a thing that I will potentially just wander into 12 <laughs> times thinking that I haven't been there before. And right. so when it is really just, this is kind of like a hallway, except it just goes into slowly fading out lights. And then it's just a, you know, it just ends in a blank sort of rectangle. Uh, there's That's where all the reinforcements come from when reinforcements are you can actually explore those spaces that's weird yeah it is weird it's there's more so at the end i think when they spent less time sort of they had i'm assuming that the later levels were the ones that they spent a little less time actually designing the spaces and making sure that the because i mean it would make sense right because most people aren't going to see that um but if you can kill the commanders which you do like you know, using all the stealth perks that you've achieved by doing all the stealth kills, then you have a much easier time of it. But like, it starts to put you in these situations where they're on alert from the, from the moment you enter the level. Like, you just can't kill the commanders before they set the alarm. Hmm. And so, I don't, you know, in the, in the ones that were just really like run and gun, those were the ones where it's like, well, I guess I just have to play this 30 times until I get lucky because I'm just, not any good at first person shooters. Like hmm. I can't tell. I think there is a vocabulary for when you're being just like having a machine gun clip unloaded into you by a guy. There is some language that I don't speak that explains to you where that guy is. Mm. Yeah. Um, a lot of games do like a red flash or a blood splatter on from the section direction. of your screen. That is that. Yeah. Direction. And I, and this may do something like that, but it is like, it's, it's done in a, in a, like a sort of a tasteful rather than a UI, uh, obvious UI way. And so I don't read it that way. And so I'm just like, uh, I accidentally ran to the wrong place. So now I'm dead and I have to start over. Right. And I guess I just won't go there, but I don't really know why. Like, I don't know if it's because there was a guy hiding behind a thing and then that guy just killed me. Um, but, you know, playing it on easy, I made it through it, saw all the content of the cool single-player shooter game, and it was really good, and I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, 
you know, it just it it keeps getting goofier, but it keeps justifying why <laughs> it's getting goofier in a way that like it's by satisfying. The, by the end of it, you're just like, yep, this is fine. This is fine. Nice. Um, I don't really have any desire to like go back through and pick up all the collectibles that I missed or there, there's also like sort of two narrative branches of it. You make a decision oh, fairly early on, uh, like you just make a sort of a like walking dead decision, which of these two guys is going to live. And that splits the chapter select screen into two timelines. Hmm. And you know, the character that I saved, I saved the one that I thought the fewest people would save. Um, the one, like there's, there's one guy that's really, really likable. And then one guy that's just kind of a dipshit. And I just saved the dipshit. Cause I was like, I, you know, if I were these people, I would have been thoughtful about how to reward that behavior. So I'm curious to see, like, hmm. I, I, you know, I wanted to take the, the, the path that I hadn't already heard people talking about. Um, and that guy appears a lot. Hmm. in the in, in the, the cutscenes and you know and in action sequences and stuff so i'm really curious i'm curious as to how different it would be hmm. you also get one of two power-ups both of which are basically lock picking like there's lock picking or there's keypad hacking and i think they sort of evenly distribute like it just depends like which one of those you have determines which of the doors in a level are painted on as opposed to actually openable to get some extra ammo and stuff. Weird. Okay. Yeah. There's not like a huge difference. I wouldn't think they would actually a mini game. Is it a a lock picking? Um, it isn't nothing, but it isn't something. It isn't really something. Yeah. I don't know what the, I don't know what the keypad hacking one is, but <clears throat> the lock picking one, it's sort of, it is a mini game in the same way that like grinding in a Tony Hawk game is a mini game. Okay. It's a sort of a like anticipate where this thing is moving and keep it in a reticle for a second and a half. I see. Thing, right? It's a, to call it a mini game seems to be giving it a little bit too much credit in terms of its complexity, but it's just like, you know, it is an active thing. Then I played a bunch of Wildstar. That also has a bunch of little weird mini games. There's every once in a while when you go to like activate a thing that you have to do for a quest, like the way that you activate it is by playing a little like eight round game of Simon. Huh. Um, okay. Or doing a little timing game or sometimes like repeatedly press F. So it's like a button mashing thing. And they're all, and I think I remember talking to, to David about this, how they started out being sort of interesting and challenging but then they found that in testing a lot of people just couldn't do it so they ended up having to make them really easy and because they're easy they're sort of boring Hmm. which is i would like a toggle to say just give me the fucking hard versions of these games like yeah Yeah. like i don't really want to play like a 20 round game of Simon to deactivate each yeah, no, of these four lame, cannons. If it was really fast, I could see that. Maybe just maybe a four round game of Simon, but with 50 buttons. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> that, how is it? That's not, you don't think that's equivalent to like a 50 round game of Simon with four buttons? No, I don't. Hmm. 
Maybe that's just because you're not I mean, very good at Simon. If it was like 26 buttons, instead of colors, they could be letters. And then you're just True. typing in the word it just spelled to you. <laughs> right. You eventually just like, oh, this is a super hard uh, anti-air cannon that you have to hack. Uh, we're going to need you to type the entirety of Hamlet. <laughs> um, but you're going to have to type the first letter of Hamlet. And then the first and second letter of yeah. Hamlet. And then the first, second, and third letter of Hamlet. Check it out, though. By the end of that, you you would be a guy who has Hamlet memorized. I mean, I think at that point you would just hire a monkey to type it for you, right? Eventually, it would be. Yeah, fun. that's... I'll be back. I'll be back later, Bobo. Take care of this. Not only do you have to have an infinite number of monkeys, but they have to sit there until they type out... The, the sequence that is the first letter of Hamlet, the first and second letter of Hamlet. <laughs> the 12 days of Hamlet. Well, but I mean, that isn't, that is not a categorically different problem than typing Hamlet. It's just longer. Oh, it's, yeah, but it's a lot longer. Well, sure. Like, I guess like, in terms of infinities, it's not that much. Hamlet longer. factorial. Yeah, but I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> Hamlet! <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wildstar's pretty good still. It's still, you know, it's just an MMO. They um I was I was also going to sort of talk about this in the news thing, but they have they have done that thing that when I saw this, I was like, "Oh right, that's a thing they were going to do." Uh it but it's it's interesting to me. They are selling game time. They're basically doing what Eve Online did. They're a subscription game. But for more than a month of subscription, you can buy a thing that gives you a month of playtime and then sell it on the player market. Hmm. It's super interesting to me that it is more than a month to do it. Why would anyone do that? To sell it to people for in-game currency. Like, what this does, I think, what this does, I hope, is it makes it so... Wildstar's economy is interesting in the same ways and for the same reason that I think Kingdom of Loathing's economy is interesting because there is a sort of a nominal exchange between money and the in-game currency, which makes it so the in-game currency is actually meaningful. Right. Um, the exchange is is weird. The amount that a month of playtime, a cred, a C-R-E-D-D, which probably stands for something that they thought was cute, uh, sells for is it went down over the course of like a couple hours while I was playing. It went down from its starting value to like an eighth of its starting value. Whoa. I My belief is that in a month it is going to be a hundred times higher than, than that because right now the game hasn't been around long enough for there to be a really a significant amount of in-game currency in existence. And so nothing in the economy makes any sense right now. And so to me, it seems like a kind of a dumb move now to speculate in real currency to virtual currency exchanges well, like so, that. But if you could buy a bunch of the creds now and resell them later for a well, yeah. If profit. you could, if you could buy them for the in-game currency, yeah, right. But nobody has any, so well, that's why the price is dropping, right? 
But, I mean, that's the thing. You can't, right? Like, if you could send yourself back in time to six months from now when cred's selling for a thousand platinum each, like, oh, man, I remember when these were two platinum each because nobody had two platinum. Send yourself back in time to six months from now? No, you six months from now send yourself back in time to now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, We've already done that. You're here. Now buy the creds. (laughs) I don't know. I... It, it's weird. I mean, I'm I'm sure that there are some people that are like being assholes about this on the internet because it's a thing. But I'm excited to see how it turns out. Like, I don't know what happens when everybody's at the level cap and there's not really any need to have a bunch of currency. But what I'm kind of looking forward to is a few months from now, if I can just like put an extra $20 in there to then just have all of the in-game currency that I need to like buy shit on the auction house to like level up trade skills. Yeah. Like that seems to me like I am going to do the thing that we do in the world, which is to pay people to do the things that we do not want to do ourselves, (laughs) but that we believe have value in their end products. Your radical economic theories are going to get you thrown in jail. I mean, I know this is a new, this is a new kind of thing, right? Like the idea that like, I don't know how to bake a loaf of bread, but I like eating bread. So I'm going to get fucked. No, that's just, no, no, you're just this thing I've invented. You can't, you can't do it. (laughs) Bartering. I mean, like the only thing that I'm good at is fucking the baker's daughter. But I can't tell him that. I can't say, I will fuck your daughter so good in exchange for four loaves of bread. He's not going to go in for that at all. So we have to have this sort of like layer of obfuscation where I fuck the baker's daughter she and then she you. gives me money and then I give the money back to the baker to, to buy the bread and then he gives it back to her. So this is a pretty sweet fucking deal I've got going on. Pretty sweet fucking deal. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um... I made a crafting alt because I wanted to, I wanted to try to, uh, level up trade skills in a way that I wasn't just sort of hemorrhaging money to other people. I don't know if it worked. You don't know if making an alt worked? No, definitely making an alt worked. Um, I don't know that I'm actually committed to leveling two dudes like if i had done this from the beginning it would have been way cheaper for me to get to like the second tier of weaponsmithing on my main like if i had been able to like make the sort of power course essentially doing exactly what tobold is writing about doing because that sounded like a good idea um weaponsmithing requires these power cores that you either have to get by like salvaging other equipment that drops in the world or just buying them on the market but they're expensive on the market. So I was like, oh, I will just make the guy who can make power cores, which it turns out this illustrates how good their crafting system is because it, it very much is, well, not very much. It is a slightly more complicated version of WoW's crafting where you learn a recipe and it has these fixed ingredients, mm-hmm. but you can like, you can kind of press your luck on like adding extra stats to an item that you're crafting, but it gives you a chance of failing to craft. And it still consumes the gear. Yeah. You lose all, you lose all the ingredients if you fail. So 
in a way, I don't think I like that at the high end because it means that the only thing that anybody is ever going to buy is the like, I mean, it's the same argument against like critical successes in crafting, giving you a better version of the item because that becomes the only version of the item with any economic value. And I think that the version of the item that had a 1% chance of being successfully crafted because it has plus one to a stat relative to the next one down is also going to end up being the only one that has any value. So it's really just kind of a, a waste factory. Um, Some of the things that, that world of Warcraft's economy did that I thought were kind of interesting were crafted items that various quests required. Yeah. Hmm. And if you knew about that, you could make a bunch of them and sell them slowly over time from people that just wanted to buy that shit on the marketplace and you could make a tidy profit <clears throat> on that. Um So the way that the way that this encourages like sort of a broadening and a diversification of the the crafting, you have an experience bar that's just like leveling up the crafting, the same way that it works in in WoW. But you also get these perks that you get by sort of unlocking stars in the crafting tech trees, which are like what they're discouraging is like you finding the thing that's going to give you the cheapest progress and making a thousand of those and then just auto selling them or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you have these tech trees that you unlock by making things. And then that makes new things available. And then you make some of those things and it makes some new things available. Some of them are like discovered recipes. Some of them are, you know, just like make one of everything and then you get this perk make one of everything from this area and then you get another you know you get another point towards like unlocking just overall bonuses to crafting and stuff do that does do those bonuses mean that your stuff is better in some cases it might uh i've only looked at the very low tier ones because i tend to i kind of don't like Knowing what's ahead. Knowing what's ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like knowing what the next couple things are going to be, but I always turn off that display in World of Warcraft that tells you what all of your skills are for the rest of your character progression. Cause I like leveling up and then being surprised by a cool new thing that I got. So the things that are in the lowest tiers of this, of the crafting, the weaponsmithing crafting discipline that I'm doing on my main guy are like, you just earn more crafting experience from successes and then even more from failures hmm. um and then there's another one that's like that's interesting because that every, rewards that rewards yeah. the gambling yeah it rewards the gambling a little bit cool depending like if you're crafting just to level up then yeah it rewards gambling but um and then like the second tier one is like something 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 and then also your name is on the things that you craft hmm. like which that's cool Oh, I got a really, I got a really fucking cool fireplace for my house. I rearranged my whole house around this cool fireplace that I, I don't even know where it came from. I would just like went home and then it was like, oh, there's another thing in my inventory that is a decor item. Cause the way that items drop, they just sort of pop out into the world and then you hit a button to scoop them all up. So if you're not looking at the little interface element where the items that you pick up show up, then you'll just eventually like, oh, my bags are getting kind of full. Let's see what I got for the last yeah. hour or so. Yeah, if it's, it's something like that you didn't Christmas. have to like roll for. Yeah. So it's a, but I mean, at the same time, if I got something because I did some cool thing, I'd like to know what that thing was. True. Um, so the thing that I had to do to get my, technologist guy to the point where he could make the power cores for for weaponsmithing 
the technologist mostly makes potions, but if you unlock like all of the things in the tech tree, you get to the very lowest part of it, which is to make the first order power cores. And then once you get to the second tier, there's the second tech tree of potion stuff and getting all the way to the bottom of that one lets you make the second tier power cores for weapons. But one of the things that you had to do was make like all six variants of a particular kind of stat boosting potion. And it's just one recipe, but when you start crafting it, it puts you on this grid. It's like a Cartesian grid that's divided into, you know, four quadrants, like a Cartesian grid. And there are these targets out in the, out in the space of it that are different sort of variant versions of the craftable item. And you have this menu of things that you spend in-game currency on to sort of move the crafting reticle in a specific direction, a, a vague amount. And you're sort of just trying, you're spending money to kind of home the reticle in on these target areas. This is really weird sounding. To yeah. see if you're going to be able to craft that one thing. Like, do you have to do this every time you want to craft a particular thing? Because that would be, that sounds really tedious. I don't know. I don't know if once you've landed on one, you can do it specifically. I mean, it is tedious, but once you figure out the combination of things to buy to make it, it's just like a material cost, which everything has anyway, right? So, and if those things are, if that's the only place you can get those things, then why not? Like, why not have it be this weird, hard thing that someone has to do in order for you to get this one particular bonus, right? Like, right. if you don't like it, don't do it. That means it's more valuable when the other guy does it. That said, that's not a justification for a system being, like, shitty and boring. But it what, what was interesting is in order to do the thing that I wanted to do with this crafting alt, I had to really fully engage with, like, this weird kind of complicated system and, like, go around and collect the ingredients that I needed to do this stuff, which I ended up doing on my higher level guy because it was easier because you harvest plants by just shooting them. <laughs> All right. And now I'm just playing the fucking Farmville thing in my in one of the plots on my house island because you have like a mining plot and a farming yeah plot. i have a mining plot and a farming plot and uh fucking really cool fireplace you should see my fireplace <clears throat> i also a screenshot on the forums i also learned that you can uh you can just scale up any of the assets that you're placing in your house and so that it is wrong yeah it's weird i wish you couldn't because now I just want to make it look real stupid. <laughs> and I didn't before. Like, before, I was like, it would be tacky to have this candle just stuck to the wall with the fire going horizontally. But it would look awesome if this candle was almost the entire size of the house. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just, I'm tempted to do the one stupid thing instead of the other. But that's more or less it. What have you been playing, Kevin? Um, on the advice of one of our listeners, I downloaded and played Folt. Mm. It is a puzzle game. Um, the The game consists of sort of a match three sort of mechanic, but you exist on the grid. It's a it's basically a blank grid in advance, and you are like a little square of paper, and you unfold in a certain direction, leaving behind 
a, a square of a particular color and then you are just randomly getting color squares that you then have to move to an adjacent square and then if you get three in a row of a particular three or more in a row of a particular color they disappear and then each level is just a different goal sometimes it's just make a certain number of matches sometimes it's uh, make a certain number of orange squares all show up on the screen at the same time. There are or there some, will be like a diamond that is a particular yeah. color at a certain distance from the center and you have to get, you have to consume that square. Yeah, create, create a match, match that includes yeah. that and stuff. Um, and as a puzzle game, it was actually pretty interesting. The, the variants are different enough that it kept me engaged, but I am, I am pretty sure that these people designed the game after having seen Candy Crush Saga because it is almost exactly like that in the way that the the economics of the game are designed. It was a free game to download. Um, and there were a couple of weird power-ups that I never actually used, but that well, I was, was getting... There was one that just let you like skip to another color, which is crazy valuable in terms of actually playing the game. Yeah. But then once you've done it a few times, it's like, ah, you're out of these. If you want to buy seven more, it's a dollar. Yeah. Like super, super easy to consume stuff that costs a couple of dollars. Plus they would like, there were some like power-ups that you could buy. Like it shows you a preview of your next three colors, which is pretty vital in terms of being able to form a strategy of what you're, where you're going to go and what you're going to do. But you can unlock a fourth one for four bucks. Or you can get an extra life because if you if you fail, if you like fill up the board such that you can't make a move or you trap yourself, um, you lose a life and you get new lives every half hour and you cap out at five and you can increase your the, the maximum number of lives that you can have for three bucks, that mm. kind of thing. Um, yeah, and if you run out of lives, you can pay a dollar to refill your lives. Um, and so on. I was like, you know, whatever. But you know, it, it, at first it was not that bad. Like they gave you some options to pay for stuff, but then they put a literal roadblock in the way after 42 levels where a li- if, like a, like it's a, like the police, like a literal roadblock. Yep. It is a literal roadblock. <laughs> like, yep. You're like, it, there's tax. It changes, and- it changes into a driving sim game and then you get pulled over uh and they they do a breathalyzer you have to they have to blow into the microphone <laughs> yeah. um so normally you're sort of following this little path which is also reminiscent of of Candy Crush Saga actually and there's occasional things off to the side that are like optional little bonuses that you can you can go for which just give you some of those consumable rewards uh but then after at the 42nd level if you try to go on it's it it's uh an interstitial level where it says you must get a score of 35 in the endless mode. And the only way to unlock the endless mode is to give them a dollar. Hmm. So, well, it's, it, you know, I, I, after it's 42 fine. levels, it seems like you should probably give them a dollar anyway. Well, right. Like, but it would, I be, mean, you would have nicer. given them a dollar yeah. to just, they weren't, I would have given them a dollar to just buy the game. Well, no, no, no. But I'm saying at that point, you would have probably given them a dollar to unlock endless mode and been able to continue in the game if they hadn't also tried all like yeah. it's like they tried every gross thing yeah why why is this gross i mean i understand why it's gross but i'm th- but like there are all sorts of things 
in the world for sale that you think, man, you'd have to be stupid to buy that. Like you drive past a payday loan and you think this is just a place that is taking advantage of stupid people. This is this is just a predatory thing that is making the poor poorer. It's and it's and not, it, and it, not necessarily stupid. It's like people who are disadvantaged to begin with. And this is a bad example because that is totally gross and harmful to the world. I guess what I'm more going for is like, you don't mind going to a store and saying like, I can't believe they're selling grape ice cream. I hate grape ice cream and I would never buy that. Right. But you don't think fuck this store. Also, grape ice cream is not a thing. Why not? <laughs> and actually. why? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> That sounds awesome. That's, that's really weird. Uh. But, um, yeah, what is it about? What is it about this? I mean, what is it about you seeing something, you thinking, I would be stupid if I bought this? I think that it makes is. You think that they shouldn't sell it at all. I think it is in some way the way they present it, right? Like, yeah, it, it feels very bait and switchy. If, if up front they had said, you know, the first 42 levels are a demo. I would have been like, okay, yeah, I can get like behind I'm not that. offended by when a game sells level packs. Yep. Like that uh, flow, like that that game flow, right? Like I have no problem with them having ten different level packs, five of which are for sale and five of which are free, because you get to you get to try a bunch of different variants, and then if you want a bunch more levels, you can just give them some money. Flow, like the Genova Chen game? N- no, the the iOS game. That's like the make it filling up a grid with different colored lines. Hmm. No, no, no. Flow, flow free. About the... Oh, flow, flow free. Yeah. Yes. There's one. And the thing with bridges is there. There's a, one with like bridges, bridges as well. Okay. Right. Like flow, flow with bridges. <laughs> is that really called flow? I'm pretty sure. Huh. I can look it up, but I'm, I'm relatively sure that that's what it's called. Um. Yeah, it's called Flow. Hmm. Uh, let's see here. I played, I played some Creeper World three, but the yeah. web version. Oh, there's a web version that's kind of like a demo for the Steam version. Mm. And I was like, okay, this is more of it. It's got some more new systems. It's it's just it, the game just keeps adding more systems, which is neat. Yeah, that's fine. fine. I think I wandered away from that game eventually and just didn't stop yeah like i got to the point it sounds where there like it was, has hundreds of levels i got most of the way through the like story mode oh yeah and then there was one just like really sort of eventually the tdm of that just gets to me yeah <clears throat> there are like clever ways to do levels and then there are like slow and sure ways and i often don't bother to figure out the clever ways yeah and then there's also the slow and really prone to a mistake oh, that yeah. sets you back all the way. That, that I mean, there's save there's save points in it that if you remember. You oh, know, are there? Yeah, you can you can have like four or five saves within huh. a given level. So interesting. Um, I like that. Anybody who anybody who didn't play Creeper, Creeper World, World or Creeper World Two, yeah, you should check out Creeper World One because if you like it, there boy have I got good news for you. <laughs> there's about a lot more. A there. lot of shit that you can spend your time on. Um, after um I remember playing Creeper World a lot the first time we ever came to San Francisco. Huh. When we were I was playing it while you were watching Up and I was deciding that I didn't want to watch Up because it seemed like it was probably really depressing. 
it was like yeah, the first bittersweet. 10 minutes of up is really depressing but that's the only part that i watched then i was like you know what i'm just gonna play creeper world <laughs> on this couch um so i mentioned that game rita's pearls which was by the same people that made move the box um and i talked about how it wasn't very much fun as a game. It was one of those cascade games where there's like all these little bubbles and you're like, you fling a bubble and if it gets to four, then it launches off bubbles in all four directions. Right. And the whole point of the of the first 200 levels <laughs> is that you only have one move to get the cascade going and how sometimes that sort of just reduces to just doing every possible combination because it's easy to get be exhaustive. And as I guessed, once you have done that, you get to the second tier of levels which is all two move games yeah. which is where they should have they should have just cut the first 200 levels because they are boring and they should have just started with the two move games because those are actual puzzles right like all of them have been interesting and required some thought and because of just that you know the power of exponentiation like you th- there is no point in trying to sit down and try every possible combination because you would be there for hours so you you just have to learn how to think about it and those are actually really interesting puzzles and they have hidden this this kind of cool interesting game behind this bizarre wall of like 200 tedious ass levels it is ridiculous what is your move how many possibilities are there so the grids, I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's just a defined grid and they just have different populations on them, but there will be 10 to 15 bubbles that you can interact okay. with. So it's and not like one there's one in- that you can move that can go in any of four directions. Cause that two of those is still not a possibility space that is too no. large to exist. There are like right? 15, there are 15 bubbles that could go in any of four directions. Okay. And that 15 squared is just way too many. Yeah. Different possibilities. So, hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's actually, it's now it is actually a super interesting puzzle. Can you start there? You cannot. They are locked until you have completed the first 200 levels. Wow. Uh, yes. That's what I'm saying. It is like, it is this weird philosophy or weird choice that like you can't pay to, like it's a free game, but you can't pay to unlock the, like those cool levels. I cannot in good conscience recommend this game to anybody because nobody but me is crazy enough to sit there and actually solve <laughs> these first 200 levels. It's good that you recognize that. The, like, I mean, the, you're, you, lear- the- you learn a little bit. Like, I think they they should have had like 10 one move puzzles that taught you the rules of how everything works. Cause there are definitely some patterns that I learned by doing those first 200 levels, uh, that, that I have carried over. And like, those are tools that I use to solve the, the two move puzzles. But like, it's just, yeah, it's frustrating. And that would be like if Wilt Chamberlain had had to sleep with 200 like ugly girls before, <laughs> like, who would do that? You know? Sure. I'm glad that you, as my employee, have a tolerance for tedium. (laughs) Like, I'm glad that you can solve 200 puzzles that are really boring to you, but you still do a good job (laughs) of solving them. That's just my way. It makes you super valuable. Um, And then the the other game that I played is a, a game called, I think it is called paperbound i'm not entirely sure it is a game that uh is was made by a friend of whoa one th- okay sorry but i just realized something yeah paper boy and paperbound are paper bow 
plus the Spanish and the German words for and. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, so this game is made by a, a friend of one of the guys who works in this office, and it's being submitted to Indiecade this this year uh, for consideration. Um, and it is a local multiplayer game in that sort of Towerfall style vein of things. Wait, who made this game? I don't know. I don't know his name. Mm. I like I, I like I was just sort of invited to play test it and had no real context for it. So like I feel a little bad um, talking about it, except for the fact that it was really neat. Um, and eventually, hopefully, it'll be out for people to buy and play or whatever. Uh, so you, you've got a little character. You have uh, a button which can which swings a sword in front of you. You've got a button which throws a pair of scissors, which just move in a straight line uh, in the direction. You, well, it's not even a button. It's you, one of the analog sticks on the Xbox, like on an Xbox 360 controller. Uh, just if you flick it in a particular direction, the scissors go that direction, and then they'll stick in the the opposite wall, and you can collect them, or anyone can collect them later and throw them again. Uh, you have another button which throws a little grenade, which travels in sort of like a parabola and is affected by gravity, unlike the scissors. And then you have a button to to jump, and a button to reverse your personal gravity. Um, and so you have a bunch of like attack options and a bunch of mobility options, and it's it was really quite compelling actually. Like we figured out. Like we quickly figured out that you like you could you could basically fly by quickly reversing gravity for yourself and traversing a level, but you know being in the middle of the screen is also super vulnerable to people throwing scissors at you or whatever. Um, the level designs were pretty were all pretty different. There were some levels that had like big moving parts and some that had like just big open areas in the middle and some that were look more like mazes and that kind of thing. Um, there was a there were a couple of different play modes like a capture the flag mode which was kind of nice which was two teams of two head to head um you know like i think all of these games are are fun like samurai gun and towerfall and that kind of thing um i i wonder how much of this the market there is a market for there's so many of them you know like yeah <clears throat> it's so it's so hard to imagine anything People love Smash Brothers though, and like that yeah. keeps coming out. Mario Kart. There's like a bunch of like right, local... but those are those are franchises that harken back to when there were not very many video games, right? Like they're. But, well, I mean, Mario Kart Eight came out, and like it is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like. But I bet it's not the best. I bet it's not the best kart racer that came out this year. It's just the one that people have nostalgia for because it's. You know, I don't because know. It's, got it's, that, it's got that Luigi death stare because it's a remake of a thing that you recognize. Right. I mean, it's why J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie was more popular than an original IP the same year, even mm. if the original IP was better. Right. I mean, they, they because people are just the studios are trying to latch on to something that has any kind of recognition because all entertainment is so fragmented. Watchdogs has been pretty successful as a new ip right i guess it's it's an old formula it's sort of like a grand theft auto plus something else but yeah i don't know i mean yeah i it, yeah but for something like 
you know, I don't know. Does Samurai Gun have the penetration that Pong had? Oh, God, no. Yeah, so, like... There, there just seems to have been this lull in local competitive gaming. And is there a lull, or is there just a little surge now? <clears throat> well, I feel like most of the early Atari games were local competitive yeah. combat and and whatnot. Like the the single player games were. I think most of the games were single player. They all had multiplayer. You're right modes. that there were a bunch of multiplayer games to begin with, but I mean that like it was easier to make a multiplayer game than it was to make a single player game. Well, it still is. So. I don't know that I buy Raf Koster's argument that single-player games are sort of an anomalous blip on the history of games. I don't. I don't either. No. Because I don't think I mean, that. How like, long has solitaire existed? Yeah, and I don't think that like a novel is a blip on the history of oral storytelling. <laughs> a novel is a blip on the history of oral sex. <laughs> or I don't think a novel is a blip on the nose of Oral Hershiser. In other news, our next game is going to be called Paper Boat. <laughs> yeah, is at uh, E.T. Philip no, 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 B-O-E-T. Uh, Filipino uses A-T. Oh, for huh, okay. Okay. There's also uh, Paper Boog would be another option. That one's Danish. Okay, good. You were doing some research, Riff. Yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Paper boand. <laughs> yeah, paper ba- boned. Anything in the news, fellas? Uh, I feel bad about this because I did notice some E3 announcements that I thought were interesting, but I oh, did no, not write Riff. them down, so I've forgotten them. Okay, was so it Riff, the lack of female players in every game. I have a note. Oh yeah, in, there was that female yeah, characters. That in every I have a note in my news to ask you about something. What okay. the fuck is everybody pissed off about about Minecraft? Oh, I don't. I don't in just in general. Oh well, great, cool. Apparently, oh, oh, it's nothing. You know, I think I I might know what you you're talking about. There is there a thing happened where there were Minecraft servers where the. Um, the the owners of the servers were charging people money for uh for like gameplay modes and i i don't know how the setup worked or or what exactly they were charging for but it was gameplay functions and and notch came down on that and and they they had to they changed or did something with the EULA that to to enunciate the fact that that it was their intention that nobody would should ever have to pay for content in Minecraft other than like the initial paying for the game. Wow. So wait, people can't make adventure packs and sell them? Uh It it might just be a thing that applies to servers. I'm not certain. But okay, like, I what was ha- it, I? I don't know a specific example, but imagine, imagine a server where you had to pay ten bucks to be able to ride a horse. The, I, uh, the, why is that, that kind uh, of like? Thing. Why would they? That that is weird that they would come down on that at all because 
Like, there are plenty of servers where you could do that for free. So if you want to be on this server where they charge you to ride a but horse... But I don't think it's basic gameplay features. I think it was modded stuff. But, who, like, why not just let the market decide that? That is so weird. Well... I mean, I can understand. How, like, I, I can't. I honestly don't understand wh- where, why Mojang would have an opinion about that at all. Well, it's it's people making money off of Minecraft. Yeah, and I mean, you don't you don't have to understand an opinion to acknowledge that they have it, right? I mean, I I, I would like to understand their opinion. I would like to understand where their opinion is coming from. Right, like nobody has to pay anything to play with their their Minecraft game if they want to do other things with it. Why not let people so I can imagine make mods and and charge for them? I can imagine that if someone had set up like some sort of like gross microtransactiony Farmville thing using Minecraft as an engine, mm-hmm. Mojang looking at that saying. This is gross and exploitative, and it is in my power to stop it, so I'm going to. Huh. Like, they're not, you know, I mean, they're getting a lot of flack for this, so apparently whatever it is that they were putting a stop to is is popular. Um, Weird. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I... <sighs> It's still their thing, you know? So they get to decide what it is. If I had a game where, you know, I had a lot of cool content and I'm putting up updates for free and and it's things like, hey, we put in horses. Now everybody can ride horses and you already own the game. So now you get to ride horses for free. But it turns out that some guys have decided or are, are telling the people playing on their servers, no, you can't ride horses unless you give me 10 bucks. Well, but you would just go to a different server host, right? That's, like that's, well, that's why you, I'm... You imagine so, but I don't know, maybe maybe it's it's a lot of kids playing it. Maybe they don't know another server or... I mean, the, the, fact, that, the fact that it's a free market doesn't make what that guy's doing bullshit. So if Mojang can stop that, it seems okay for them to do so. It just seems surprising to me. Like, I you know, I could imagine a world where people made a bunch of really cool custom content and didn't just sell it as like a standalone mod. They sold like an experience on a server, and it sounds like Minecraft, like Mojang, wouldn't allow that now. Well, I'm maybe I don't I don't know I don't know enough of the details of it to say if. If like an if adventure that's, map that's is a thing or not, yeah. I guess if they are selling just basic gameplay functions that that because someone has like spent a year building cool stuff on the server, they now feel locked into it, and now they can't ride uh, their horses yeah, or whatever. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, because once you've been on a Minecraft be server shitty. for a while, you're not going to want to move. Yeah. So. Yeah, maybe maybe there are some cases where it does make sense, but I also don't <clears throat> I don't know if I feel like people have any sort of basic inalienable right to sell mods 
to software. Huh. I, the reason that I, I, I don't know that they have the right to do so, but the reason that I would never feel like it would be make any sense to crack down on that is because a healthy mod community just is good news for your game and one of the ways that it can be healthy is if people can make a fucking living but that's also but that's also a way for it to be invaded by people who care more about money than they care about giving people a good experience of a video game and like the mod community for minecraft is not going to go away as a result of you not being able to make money from Minecraft mods. That just is, that horse is already sailed. Like, and... But it could be richer by people that could do it full-time because... Or it could be way fucking worse by sleazebags moving in and applying all sorts of exploitative monetization models to it. Like, I get what you're saying, but... I think in in reality, what happens is it gets gross real quick, and that is what I read it as them sort of trying to get rid of. But you know, I'm also like kind of always going to come down on the side of intellectual property owners. There is there is an another case which is almost. Not really similar, but it reminded me of it because of Minecraft. The the new Harvest Moon game that's coming out later this year has some Minecraft elements to it uh, in in terms of like being able to dig holes or make blocks of dirt that you can use to stair step up cliffs and stuff, uh, which is what made me think of this. But what's interesting about Harvest Moon in terms of like a publishing and copyright standpoint is that this is this new Harvest Moon game wasn't made by the team and company that made all the previous Harvest Moon games. It's being made by the company that did the Western localization and publishing for all the previous Harvest Moon games. And apparently last year, the team that made all the Harvest Moon games, and in Jap- in Japan, of course, they're they're sold under a different name that company got another company that is that is uh, they switched to another company to do their localization and cut the company that did the western localizations previously out of the loop and since those guys owned the rights to the name harvest moon they hmm. decided well we've been putting these games out for years so fuck you guys we're going to make another harvest moon game anyway Interesting. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how how that goes. I've I've never really played a Harvest Moon, but Jenny's a fan, so when that comes out, we're probably not going to see her again for like six months. <laughs> uh, the news that I should have brought uh, to the show last week is that the uh, Space Team Admirals Club Kickstarter has been relaunched and everyone should go fund it. I want to live in a world where the guy that made one of the most exciting and sort of innovative and broadly appealing games on a platform (laughs) can 
afford to live for a year and make video games for a living. What's Space Team Admirals? Yeah, Space Team Admirals. Admirals Club. The Space Team Admirals Club. It's a weird Kickstarter because the Kickstarter is basically like pay him for a year to just be able to work on video games. Oh, okay. Right? He's got like three three things that he wants to do. Doing a Kickstarter for like, this is what I would do if I did not have to worry about money. This is how much money I need in order to not worry about money for this amount of time. It's interesting that he's doing it as a Kickstarter and not a Patreon. Although I yeah. guess it's it's if it's only a year, then that's a different. Yeah, I mean that's so the Kickstarter thing. Kickstarter is better for large projects. Patreon is better for like a bunch of ongoing, yeah, ongoing stuff. stuff. And I would argue that Kickstarter is better for a grown up with responsibilities to know what the next year of their life is going to look like. And mm-hmm. Patreon is better for somebody who's just like kind of dicking around doing something in their spare time <clears> and hopes that it's going to become something because like. Just because you've got $1,200 in your Patreon this month does not mean that you're even going to have $100 in it next month. Right. Right? And if you do a Kickstarter for forty grand, then you know that you've got some amount of time until that forty grand is gone to use that money to make the thing that you said you were going to make. I, I backed my first Patreon person. Yeah, who is it? Uh, Alan Hazelden. Oh, good. Cause I like I love his games. Yeah, he's a bro, and he's he's a bro, and he makes games that you like. He's a bro. He's a bro. He's he's a good dude. <laughs> he's a good. Guy. He's a really good guy. Sokobond was a, a brilliant. I'm not game. saying he's a bro. Like I saw him injecting steroids into yeah. his ass. <laughs> like he uh, he's been doing a lot of really really clever puzzle script games. Um, and he's just yeah, like I, I want him to be able to just make games all the time. So. I have no idea how well Sokobond did. Like, it has not come out for iOS, as far as I know, which means that it probably has not made enough money to continue developing, hmm. which is sad. It's a great game. Did you see that um, Space Team Live thing that some people did? I don't know if it was the original guy or not, but somebody at some convention or something had a had a setup where they actually made five or six control panels different control panels and with Arduino lights and buttons hmm. and switches so that you were actually playing a uh, space team with, with actual space light con- control configurations. That's cool. Sounded pretty awesome. Anyway, I, I doubled my pledge from the previous Admirable. space team. Admirable. Admirable's club. Admirable's club. <laughs> yeah. I just don't know. You know, it didn't, it, it got so close to funding the first time and yeah. they relaunched it at the same amount, which is... It's an interesting way to do it. It is, because your your point that relaunching it for a lower amount is sort of like saying, yeah, you're right, we were asking for too much money and I could do this for less, which erodes trust. I think it erodes trust in the proportion of the population that is rational enough to think about it that way, right. which is very small, but not rational enough to like give him the benefit of the doubt, which is even smaller. But still, I mean, when they were talking about relaunching it, I assumed it would be for less. I assumed that it would be for less, but they would end up funding more. But then they relaunched it asking for the same thing. I think they've just rejiggered the tears and hoping that the publicity of for the for the thing is going to go. And so I, I sort of, you know, felt like, all right, well, I need to make sure and work harder at this. So I just doubled 
I'm a little not, bit more I'm than not finding it on Kickstarter. Do you know what the actual name of the... It's, it should just be search Admirals, for Space Team. Space, Space Team Admirals Club. Yeah, not finding Re, it. Relaunch. Relaunch. Yeah. This assignment, 1001 Spikes. Riff, I bet you fucking loved it. Uh, the point at which I said... Uh, this game is going to do nothing for me except to make me angry and turned it off was, I think, level three. One dash three? Yeah. Which, whichever level it was where it introduced a, where it introduced the uh, stone faces that shoot at you. Oh, my God. You guys are pussies. Pussies. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I found it. It's space team is all one word. Yes. For anyone yeah. looking for it. I mean, I know Riff is a pussy and I know I'm a pussy. What I didn't realize is that you are a motherfucking badass, Kevin. <laughs> oh I got God. to like. Did you play all the way through it? He did. He beat it. That's I beat the. I beat the, the the base game, and I am working my way through the entire second game that unlocks when you play that when you beat the first game. There's all these unlockable characters with different moves and stuff. I got to two one. Yeah, and. Every day I played the game until I got so pissed off that I just instinctively alt F forward. And huh. at no point did I finish level two, two one. one. Because so, yeah. this this is my this is my feeling about why it didn't connect with me. It isn't that it's a bad game, it's just that it is it isn't that it's a bad game and it isn't that it's too hard. It's just that it is too hard for too long at a time. Like it requires a level of patience. That I do not have. Like, the levels in, in and of themselves are relatively short. There's no level that takes more than a minute and a half or two minutes at the most to complete. Well, yeah, once you're doing it, right? But well, I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Once you know it, how long, once you know what to do. But So the reason that I had the patience for Spelunky. Well, I'm curious, how... how did you have the patience for Wolvenstein or Wolvenstein, right? Like you said that there were time levels that you had to play 30 times to get through. And like most of these levels you can get through after playing through 15 or 15 or 30 times. And they're not that, they're not that long. It wasn't 30 times of doing the exact same thing because I had to do something different. Right. Well, and same thing would be true, but it's not right. Because you know, once you've gotten halfway through one of these levels, you know that you know how to do it. Mm -hmm. You just have to execute it really carefully right. and not fuck up. And if you do fuck up, your punishment is just you do it again, do it again, do it again. <laughs> there there are, just, there it, are a lot of like, I, there are two ways to fail most of the like challenges in there. Like one of them is like a non-critical failure where you screw something up and you just have to redo it. And, Another one is the critical failure where it kills you and you have to start the level over. And I feel like the ratio of those things is way too high in the, the restarting the level thing. Um, level like the, the first three worlds are are basically babies, baby level, lo like levels of difficulty. And then it gets hard in like world four. That's when it starts to have like a lot of things going on and like a lot of levels where you have to start moving immediately or you will just die. Like there are there are levels where if you just let the game sit there, it will just burn through all of your lives because it'll you'll the level will kill you and then it will start you over and the level will kill you and it will start you over and the level will kill you. Um, 
Yeah. I'm okay with this level of difficulty in like Spelunky because it never makes you do the same thing twice. And I have no patience game, at all for having to do the same thing twice. This game is pretty good about introducing new yeah. mechanics on every level. I'm not I'm not talking about like it's the it is the checkpointing yeah that made this that made me bounce off of this, right? Like because Spelunky you die, you start over and you don't have to do any of the same things again. Like you, I, you, I the exact you don't same have to do problem. The same with, things you just have to do them in different randomized orders. It's not the same things, right? Like I'm because like, jumping is not the same thing because that's all you do. Shooting is not the same thing because that's all you do. What I'm saying is, a thousand and one spikes makes you do exactly. It is at its core an extremely complicated game of Simon that is the same every time. And it is only the same every time if you are actually doing the exact same thing every time, which you you aren't, like because humans are varying. Like there's a bunch of stuff that is periodic, and you'll get there at a different part of the period. There are things that interact with how you move. That, sure. Like like. But it's the same sequence of things that you have to do, yeah. right? As opposed to Spelunky is play this game of Simon. And if you fail, play this different game of Simon. And if you fail that one, play this different game of Simon. And you get better at playing Simon instead of getting better at playing that game of Simon. And I know, I know that if you play enough 1001 Spikes, you get better at the basics of learning how the, and when to jump, learning the telegraphs to of stuff. Fire yeah, like, you know, learning, like, which is the short and which, which is the tall button. Which of the two jumps, yeah, you're supposed yeah, to use. Yeah, which I just fucked that up. That was all the time. And yeah. every time I lose a minute of my life because I fucked up and hit the wrong button for jump, I'm just like, God, just it is like it is super aggravating. I will. I will. Like, I have definitely gotten super angry at this game and had to put it away. But every day I came back to it and was like, OK, I'm going to get to another world. Like, every, like I think I've done that every single day that since we assigned the game, I have progressed to the next world. I'm on I'm on eight five now. Yeah, so I mean, I think we found the game that is difficult. We have found the game that is off-putting to everyone on the podcast except you, because it is difficult by virtue of requiring patience. Yeah, I guess. It's to me, it is a that it is a puzzle game, like because like. The level is a puzzle. Like, how do, how do you get through this and survive? And you, you have a limited set of verbs, some of which you don't even... Like, I was stuck for a while because I... Up until, a, the, like, level 5, 4, you never have to duck. Ducking is never useful or valuable. And then all of a sudden, there is a place in the game where that one thing, which you 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 can do, and they've never really told you about, becomes vital. And I was like, "Oh, I I noticed that I could do this, and now like suddenly this actually makes the game completable." Um, and but that was like there was a, an aha moment there that I really appreciated, right? Like, uh, there's a bunch of there are multiple ways to solve particular challenges, but like learning how to do the easy one 
and then do it repeatedly like instead of having to jump over all those knives that those faces spit at you you can just or this the, i guess they're poison darts or whatever you can knock them out of the air with a knife and so learning how to time that becomes a really valuable skill that in some places in the game that's the only way to get through the challenge right but up until that point you could have been learning how to do it and because you're sort of because you are constantly sort of re- replaying the first half of a level as you learn as you encounter each new roadblock that prevents you from completing it you're my natural inclination is like well is there some other way i can do this faster is there some other way i can do this more efficiently sure. right and so like the beginnings of the levels become and you will like you'll sort of continue sort of modifying your thing your path through until you find what is probably the optimal or at least optimal for you um way of doing it where you can repeatedly repeatedly do it with minimal effort low low chance of death and like that kind of optimization plus the puzzle half of like how do you do this like like it seems like it's impossible but you know it's not and like that is really interesting and satisfying um I guess it's not a game for everybody, but it, I thought I think it is a super solid game, and there's a ton of game there. Like all the unlockable characters that you unlock have different capabilities, which were all subtle and interesting. Like you unlock a zombie who doesn't die the first time that they get killed; they just lose their head and the ability to shoot a projectile. Um, but they still have like a, a a close range attack, so you can still knock blow darts out of the air if you're super good at the timing with it um a bunch of them have different kinds of jumps there's like a couple that have double jumps a couple that have uh if you hit the jump a second time you like zip forward or there's one character has wings so you sort of can like slowly flap a little bit but then eventually you're they get tired and you you like fall down so it's like a, a seven times jump sort of but each progressive one is a little lower um there's characters that have very different uh projectiles some of them do a lot of damage but take a little while to charge up and some of them do a little bit of damage some of them are like ran a little bit random whether they shoot up or down a little bit like a machine gun um, but they'll shoot like four or five of them um you you can unlock jonathan blow as a playable character and he has the weirdest thing of all he shoots his story every also all of these characters have backstories which is like what the fuck that's nuts um but he shoots out this code which just causes if he hits a wall it just glitches out the wall and causes if he hits a a a sprite in the game that doesn't uh, like a moving sprite in the game that doesn't get destroyed um it causes the the game to slow down for everyone except for him so like all the moving sprites will slow down but you're still moving at fast speed so it's kind of like bullet time it's super weird his backstory is that he's like um pulled into the game half tron half matrix style so yeah i don't i don't know what to to think about that i'm glad that you got into this so that any of us could talk about it i'm i riff i'm sorry <laughs> yeah i, I, mean, I, I expected... knew that i knew that riff would not like it i didn't know i knew that riff wouldn't on world I, I, three because that's I, ridiculous. I, I was i was kind of down with this being this week's game because it meant because i knew in advance that oh, i'm gonna play this for like five minutes and then i'll have the rest of the night free <laughs> So to, to go play Dark Souls two. Why, I mean, that's the thing. It's not like why is Mario fundamentally different than this game? 
I, right? Why is Super Mario Brothers a, like in, that? In, is a game where you're jumping along, you come to a place, you fall in a hole, you start the level over. But and it's like, but 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 it, it is not designed. Mario is not designed to be as cruel as possible. This is this is like Mario: The Lost Levels, yeah, which yeah. everyone hated. I mean, I'm not particularly into Mario games either. There's also a Lost Levels of this game. Oh, yeah, God. I mean, which you which you unlock. So that's the thing that you unlock. You unlock a local co-op or local competitive game. You unlock a local co-op game. You unlock a you unlock a series of lost levels, and then when you beat the game, you unlock another five or six worlds worth of of just straight up level progression levels. It's insane. Yeah, there's a lot of game there. There's a lot of game. So I, when I unlocked a character, I would basically play them straight through from the beginning to world four one, because that's like those were the easiest levels. And each time you complete a little world, you get another passel of bonus lives. So like I have like. 1700 lives at this point um but i've you know i've died over a thousand times easy so far good game i recommend it if you are uh me (laughs) i'm glad i'm glad that you liked it i mean you guys didn't get into spelunky the way that i did so i i probably would it's just not convenient for me to play right like it it being a pc game and the idea of having to boot into it every day to play the daily challenge is not yeah, appealing. basically the same for me. When it comes out on Vita, I'll probably, I'll probably play some of that. In fact, you're... it already is out on Vita, so I guess I should play some of that. Kevin, you're welcome to play it on my work machine after I'm gone for the yeah. day. It runs it just fine. Yeah, I mean, I, but I don't want to have to like log into my Steam account on your computer. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even remember my Steam <laughs> password. Scoff. Okay. Um, all right, Riff, tell us what our next assignment is, because you're the only you're the only one who understands it. <laughs> the next assignment is Strife, and by that I do not mean the upcoming uh MOBA game. I mean the very old um Doom engine first person shooter. Uh it was actually the last um like commercially published Doom Engine game. But it came out in between Duke Nukem 3D and Quake 1, so it didn't really get any kind of press or attention. But it is a, it's like a run and gun Doom game, except it has NPCs and conversations and choices which affect the plot and currency and skill points. It, it's a lot like an early System Shock game, basically. That's cool. Um, I'm excited to yep. see what this is all about. There is there is a free three-level demo for Mac on the Mac App Store. Um the to get otherwise you need to download a Doom uh emulator, a Doom Engine emulator. There is a Mac OS 10 version of one called GZ Doom and GZ Doom is also available on Windows. There's also another one available for Windows called Vavoom, which I've heard is good. And then you also need the the actual WAD files for the game, which you can get at abandonia.com. Maybe we should uh, put some detailed instructions up. Yeah, on I have I have tabs saved in my browser, so I'll I'll post links to that. So you can play the whole game on the guitar. Yeah, yeah. 
plunk, a plunk, a plunk, a plunk. Is that's, that what a guitar how, sounds that, like yep. to yep. you? Absolutely. I guess that's it more sounds like to everybody show. but you. No wonder you exactly. hate music. <laughs> <sighs> Guys, I think I'm too drunk to do listeners, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's also been a long. It's been a long show so far. Yeah. So. Uh, I've had a I've had a fantastic time recording this yep. episode of Video Games Hot Dog this with y'all, and show. I and I. Uh, I hope we do it again real soon. If somebody did want to send us some listeners mail, Kevin, how would they do that? Uh, they could tweet us at VG Hotdog, email us vghotdog at gmail.com, or go to our website, videogameshotdog.com. You know what else you should go to is uh, the the website of friend of the show, MC Frontalot, who texted me and asked me to tell the podcast listeners that he says hi. Oh. oh he probably cool. says like, yo, nice hi, yo, because he's a rapper. <laughs> From Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. See ya. Have a great week, everybody. Wait, you're... Whoa, it's... Dragon. Ah.